Hi, I'm Chris Farrell, an economics and finance author and journalist. And I'm Twyla Dang. I'm an entrepreneur and a podcaster. The point of this podcast is simple. There's a misconception about people with low and unstable incomes. We think they don't know how to manage money. But they do. People and families with low and unstable incomes are often creative and collaborative with their finances. We'll show you that community is the best investment a person can make. This is Small Change, money stories from the neighborhood. And so um, displacement uh, is a big threat for a lot of these businesses because they can't afford to pay the rent anymore. Their landlords might have different ideas about opportunities for redevelopment. And so in the future, there might not be a little make home. Uh, you know, you might come back in a couple of years and many of these businesses might not be around. That was Va Meng Ta, the head of the Asian Economic Development Association. We'll have more from him shortly. Everyone has felt the impact of COVID-19 in their daily lives. No one has been immune. But some have been hit harder than others. Among the most vulnerable are individuals in communities with low or unstable incomes. That's right. And the pandemic has exposed huge and disturbing inequalities in our society. Everyone we spoke to had a story of how the pandemic impacted their lives. Va Meng painted a picture of a community that has been badly hurt by the pandemic. So the impact of COVID-19 is, is pretty devastating for many of the businesses that we work with because many of these families, they, again, they, they, they open a business and they run a business because it's the principal mean of supporting their family, right? And often a, a, a business is a family affair. Husband, wife, grandparents, the children help out. Um, so no one has an outside job, for example. They, you know, um, one parent does not have a job at a big company somewhere while, you know, one parent runs the business. All of them are in on that business. And so when they have to close down because of COVID-19, they pretty much lose everything uh, as, you know, as no income coming into the family. Uh, Their mortgage, if they have a mortgage or their rent, all of that is impacted. So, and these businesses are especially impacted because many of them are retail businesses. And social distancing has the most impact on these businesses when they can't actually serve any customers. The customers can't come in, you know, into their business anymore. Um, they don't have online storefronts or anything like that. And, you know, they, they can't uh, take an order online and ship it off, you know, so they rely on the foot traffic. And so uh, you can imagine the impact on these family businesses. As a result, we've seen, according to uh, state data, over 5,000% increase in unemployment filing. And most of them are from these retail businesses. So that 5,000 increase in unemployment is from the Twin Cities Asian community. That's the highest rate of all the communities in the Twin Cities. So uh, a lot of people are out of jobs. Their businesses are not operating. They're not earning any income. You hear those stories and all you can think is that this is really bad. The area he's referring to is the Little Mekong District on University Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. And you've seen it. I mean, this area was already hit hard by COVID-19 with the loss of service businesses like restaurants. And then came the killing of George Floyd. His death triggered protests and rioting that caused even more damage. Yeah, it's, it's a, a dire situation for, for many in, in the communities that we support uh, and especially the businesses that we work with. If you go next door, for example, there are a couple of restaurants. They'll, they'll take your order and you can pick up, but you can't go in there and sit down and dine. You, you can also ask them how much their sales has reduced. They will say 60 to 
And many of them are renting, so that's a big issue too. And in fact, some of the businesses that we work with are being displaced because at this time because because of COVID nineteen. But also on top of that, you know, because of the recent social unrest in the Twin Cities here, uh, some of the businesses right on the avenue here in Little Mac are impacted by that. And so um, displacement uh, is a big threat for a lot of these businesses because they can't afford to pay the rent anymore. Their landlords might have different ideas about opportunities for redevelopment. And so in the future, there might not be a little make home. Uh, you know, you might come back in a couple of years and many of these businesses might not be around. And the businesses are the what makes the culture district here. So in any way that we can help people at this time, um, we are doing in terms of the uh, social unrest following the killing of George Floyd, for example, um, some businesses were damaged. We're helping the, those businesses assess damages and also helping them to uh, work with their insurance companies, uh, helping them getting pro bono help with uh, rebuilding and things like that. So a lot of work going on because of COVID-19 and the civil unrest. It's a... It's been a long, tough period. Yeah. Um, it seems like every few years something comes along, a, a crisis comes along. And right now we have two crises, two pandemics, you know, COVID-19 and racial injustice and discrimination. And, you know, and the result of that, the impact of, of, of that on the businesses. And so and one of the constant things, though, through all those sort of crises is really how unprepared many of our ethnic immigrant businesses are to weather these uh, crises. And it goes back to, I think, a lot of things that we talked about. It's the real access to resources and capital and credit. It's always been a problem for immigrant minority businesses. Those businesses have always been undercapitalized. And when something like this, like COVID-19 comes along, it's really easy for them to fall off the cliff. Just imagine losing your livelihood and the ability to take care of your family. That's bad enough. But add to it a political sentiment that blames your community for a global pandemic. And now you have the additional stress of discrimination to deal with as well? Bo Tawarabe works with the local Asian community at the Coalition of Asian American Leaders. There was an increase in kind of COVID-related anti-Asian sentiments, and so we had to also... (laughs) uh, quickly respond to that and say, we hear that, we we are hearing it from communities and making sure that there was a consciousness that people who look like us presented, you know, a new sense of fear that they were feeling about being able to take care of themselves and being able to take care of their families, even though they were just doing everyday things. Another hardship for folks who live together in multi-generational homes is how to protect the most vulnerable members of the family. How are how are families dealing with that? Um, you know, there's lots of stories. So people have shared with me that they've really sectioned off their homes to say you can't go down in the basement because that's where grandpa is. Or uh, they have uh, really tried to make sure that um, the children are aware of what it would mean if they go out and are doing things and then coming home. Um, and so I think there was a lot of family education amongst each other, but also there were some people who were just uh, worried about what that would mean, right? So they were trying to figure out where to move their elders if they had to 
be on the front lines of uh, working and things like that, because we have, in particular, I think in many Southeast Asian families um, where people are essential workers, they were working in meatpacking or they were working in on the front lines of, you know, cleaning uh, hospitals or those kinds of things. They didn't have a choice. And so I know that for some families, they had to move the adult, the uh, elder that was living in their home to another family's home and things like that. So I think people, you know, found solutions, but it became something that people worried about. When things go wrong, it can hit hard. But if you're already part of a community that is struggling, it hits that much harder. Jennifer Grabo, a financial instructor with the University of Minnesota Extension, explains the impact on tribal communities. So COVID-19 has added additional layers of difficulty onto communities that are already struggling, you know, financially and socially. So it hits harder. Well, whenever you have additional difficulty, additional stress that you add to communities who are already extremely stressed and fragile and financially fragile, it creates more difficulty for them. And so we understand that with COVID-19 in tribal communities, oftentimes the, the state or the federal resources haven't always made it to the tribes. There, there are tribal communities um, across the nation that don't have healthcare facilities nearby. They don't have the beds. They don't have, you know, they're woefully understaffed medically. So it creates um, additional distress. Many individuals had to rely on their community of friends and family to help during the pandemic. Katrina Simmons shared her experience. So for me, the biggest, so home and community-based services are an, it represents an array of services that you can get because you have a disability and that disability makes it difficult or impossible for you to take care of yourself on a daily basis without assistance. So for me, that means that I get PCA care, which is personal care attendance. And um, we have a PCA program in Minnesota, and it means that people come every morning and every night and they help me do things like go to bed and get out of bed. And... Has this experience with COVID-19, has that affected you? So, yes. I lost, so I do something called the PCA Choice Program here in Minnesota, which we can get into in a minute. Um, But I lost five, I lost four staff in 48 hours, and then I lost a fifth staff two weeks later. So then what happened? So then for a while, my sisters came over more frequently to help me uh, with the things that I needed done now that I didn't have enough staff. And then people also lost their, or were furloughed or lost their jobs due to COVID and they wanted to work more often. So it worked out eventually. COVID-19 had an impact on everyone, but it really hit hard on the most vulnerable members of our community, sometimes in ways we don't really think about. Absolutely. This is Tandy Blom. My name is Tandy Blom, and I'm a family child care provider. We talked to her at her home in St. Paul, which is also the location of her business. We spoke to her in her backyard as a safety precaution due to the pandemic. Her yard was full of fun activities for the kids, but toys can't distract you from worry. So has COVID-19 or the coronavirus affected you and your business? (sighs) 
It has been the longest spring break in history. <laughs> um, it has just it's it's made things really weird for students. It's made things really weird for me um, because children are afraid, and so because I'm their friend, they'll they'll come and say, "Miss Tandy, I don't want to get." I don't want to get coronavirus. I don't want to die. And so for me, sorry, it makes me a little bit emotional because I feel like this is not something that kids should be going through, you know, but it's our world right now. So I feel like parents and providers need to create a, a narrative where children feel safe. We'll be back with more Small Change. Small Change is supported by Thrivent through generous support from the Thrivent Foundation. Thrivent is driven by a higher purpose to help people achieve financial clarity and to make the most of all they've been given. Small Change is also supported in part by the McKnight Foundation, which works to advance a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. Learn more at McKnight.org. Welcome back to Small Change. The stories we've heard are hard. It isn't easy, but there are some in the community that are holding their own. They're dealing with hardship in creative ways. This is Matt Graske, owner of Cadence Records and Coffee Shop in St. Paul. We learned that people can operate during a pandemic. It is possible, and and it's thoughtful and nice. Like Lots of consumers and customers are on different comfortability levels. Some people want to come in and share their opinion about, forget the coronavirus, I'm not into it, well, that's great, whatever, and other customers call in advance, and we created an online ordering platform within about four days to continue doing our business, and then all of a sudden, we are running uh, treats and timing out drinks perfectly so we can get them to people's cars when they show up on time at all levels of comfortability. We shifted... um, we did it for the holidays in the past with music just because it was so much fun. But um, for the holidays in the past here at, at Cadence Records and Coffee, we do mystery holiday music packs where our staff gets to pull together a theme of music and wrap it up nicely as a present. And then it's just all good to go. You can give the the flannel wearing whatever sibling or or relative an awesome pulled together music gift for the holidays. But we thought during coronavirus and we realized very quickly, the comfortability of like retail shopping had gone down, but we started um, doing similar to that, calling it curated music packs. So we were reaching out on social media saying, Hey, have you been missing music? Are you interested in anything? And just very grassroots via phone calls, emails, um, learning what kind of music people might like in this said curated music pack. Do you like cassettes, records, and CDs? Do you like new, used? What's your budget? What are some artists you don't like? So very grassroots, we adapted to doing that. And that quickly became, as, as far as we feel, quite successful, where we had to build a web form on our website now, and we channel anyone interested in doing that through our cadencemn.com website, and now they can pick between six different budgets, check all the boxes for what they want, and then automated. We let them know their orders received and if they'd like it mailed out or picked up. But I guess that's something wild and unusual. I never would have imagined 
mailing out records. I've delivered packs of those personally to doorsteps in the east side to save them money on mailing. We've had people coming in, picking it up. That's, that's adaptation, I think, for our business, extreme. You adapt. You figure it out. You move forward. This is Sabrina Jones, the owner of Body Love Products. So how has the COVID-19 economy affected your business? It's affected me in quite a few ways. I, I, I can say good and bad. I'll start with the the, the bad. Um, obviously, I was um, my company was starting to grow. And so I started to branch out and participate in a retail program through Chameleon Shops in the downtown area. And so I was able to actually participate in a brick and mortar experience. And so that was great because obviously with bath and body products, customers want to be able to smell, they want to be able to feel. It's great to be able, be able to have those conversations. And so that's where a lot of sales were coming in, in addition to having a website. And so what when COVID came, obviously we had to shut down because of the safety and the health issues. And so a lot of the um, sales and the customer interactions decreased. I mean, you know, completely. And so as it relates to e-commerce and my website, that's really built for repeat customers because they know my product. They're just, you know, they know they're coming on to buy and replenish. And so um, I've really had to change my strategy, my marketing strategy. And being able to identify my target market and reach out to them to say, hey, Body Love Products is here. We can help you. And especially around as it leads into the positive pieces of it because of COVID and health issues with aromatherapy and essential oils and being able to use something that's healthy and natural to relieve certain ailments that, you know, if you're having a cold or a sickness or a headache or some of the things that they suggested about, you know, taking warm baths, you know, drinking warm liquids, um, just really taking care of yourself and sleeping. Those are some of the products that I have in my product line to help with that. So that helped me to be able to kind of shift gears in my marketing. But then also I ended up you know, meeting the need of the market. So with face masks. And so there's a product line that I had as far as using fabric for rice heating pads. And so I literally kind of halted production on making heating pads to making face masks. And for the last two months, that's been one of my top sellers to help me kind of make up that difference in the sales gap. So as you come out of this period of time, the economy reopens. How is that going to affect your strategy going forward? Oh, you know, I'm, I've been thinking about that um, since having to move, you know, production out of the store um, because the questions come up, you know, when will it be safe to really open? When will customers really be, feel comfortable in going back into a shopping environment? Um, especially with um, my products, with people wanting to sample and really having to kind of create that shift. And so one of the things that I was able to do during this time that I didn't want to halt was the fact of, especially with the economy and individuals losing, losing their jobs, um, I was at the point of wanting to bring on a team. And really nervous about that because I was like, how am I going to do that? You know, it's just all new to me. I've just been doing this myself. But I wanted to move forward with that. And so what I ended up doing is I'm hiring um, a paid intern for that purpose to help me figure that, that very question out. 
how do we get back into the retail piece and reaching out to the target market and really focusing on that branding? Um, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. They actually start in two weeks. And so I think that gives enough time to be able to work ourselves back into that. Life is hard enough for people living in communities with low and unstable incomes. Now COVID-19 has made it even more difficult to survive. The pandemic has shown us that the long-term impact of deeply rooted inequalities must be addressed. These inequalities are impacting vulnerable individuals in our community. And the first step is our community needs to come together right now. One small change you can make today is to apply for financial help if you need it. Funds are still available at the county, state, and federal level. And if you're not in need of help and can do so, please consider donating to a local service organization or shopping in your local community. We'll have resources available on our website. Remember, we're all a part of the community, and the community looks out for each other. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. Small change would not have been possible without the work of many people, including... Executive producer, Stephanie Curtis. Producers, Chris Farrell, Twyla Dang, and Veronica Rodriguez. Editor, Brittany Arneson. Original music by Dexter Wolf. You can find other Small Change episodes and find resources for more information about money by going to our website, smallchangestories.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. A special thank you to the Thriven Foundation and the McKnight Foundation for their generous support.